because we tend to read everything, view everything, including the Bible, because we tend to read and view everything from a human point of view, it's natural for us to address a question such as, what was the purpose of the miracles that Jesus performed with an answer along the lines of to benefit those or to help out those or to protect in some way those for whom he performed them. Hi folks, this is Andy, the analytical preacher. I want to look at that question today in this podcast. What was the purpose of Jesus's miracles? I certainly can't deny, no one who reads scripture could deny that a number of individuals were greatly assisted by what Christ did. Some of them were assisted in the most dramatic and life-altering ways by the miracles that Christ performed around them or on them in their midst, on their behalf. But I would say when we take scripture as a whole, that's probably the last of the minor reasons for why the miracles were actually performed. So what I want to do is just quickly look at scripture Why were these miracles performed? Why were they recorded in Scripture and maintained for thousands of years in the Bible? I want to look in Scripture to answer that question, and all we just have to do is find the right place in Scripture. And here's what we would expect. If we want to understand the purpose of miracles, we generally want to go look where the first miracles were happening because the Bible tends to define itself in that manner. So when a word comes up, faith or belief, when an action comes up like a miracle being performed, you'll often see scripture then define itself, lay itself out, give the rationalization for what's going on very close to the actual event itself. I'm going to discuss the account of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the reason is because John tells us specifically that that was the first miracle that Christ performed. Let me make one quick footnote before we do that. The Apostle John, as do most of the writers in the New Testament, refer to these supernatural acts as signs or as signs and wonders. And the reason the word sign is used is because John is saying they signify something. They're pointing to something. So these aren't just acts done to benefit a hungry person. And so Jesus created food to feed a hungry person miraculously. And that person was benefited. No, John is saying these are signs that point to something of much greater significance than just that. If you want to read the account, if you want to read the story, the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine, his very first supernatural sign, you can do that in John chapter 2. You'll find the story in verse 1 through verse 11. What I want to do is just jump to verse 11, and after the sign has been completed, see what John says about it. So John chapter 2, verse 11 says this, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So this says, Jesus' signs were primarily about validating his claims as Messiah, and manifesting the glory of God. We come to understand that is the primary reasons as we read, and we can read other biblical writers. I'm just going to stick with John. I'm going to give you a couple of verses. If you go to the end of John chapter 2, same chapter we were just in with the water into wine, 
And then you go almost to the end of the, the entire book, John chapter 20. You get John saying very similar things that he said here. So in John chapter 2, verse 23, we read this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So in John 2, 1 to 11, Jesus is in the territory of Galilee in a city called Cana. He's now gone to a different part of the country, to a different area in Judea, to the city of Jerusalem. But even though he's left, gone to a different geography, to a different city, people are still believing in his name when they see the signs that he was doing. That's John in the same chapter, chapter 2, reinforcing to us what the primary point, what the primary purpose of these miracles were. And then we get to the end of John's book, John chapter 20. Let me read verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus' signs were done for those to see. And the ones that John and the other apostles wrote down and captured for us as historical accounts were written and recorded so that we could see the signs and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that we might believe in his name. So we've really established now from Scripture sort of the two primary reasons. Let me just restate those really quickly, and then we'll just kind of say round out a top five here. So the number one reason, clearly, why did Jesus do miracles? People benefited from those miracles, and there's absolutely no doubt, and good for those individuals for the benefit that they received. But the primary reason that Christ did signs, by the way, the primary reason that Moses was able to do signs, bring 10 plagues, part the Red Sea, water from a rock, was all to validate Moses as an official spokesperson for Christ, as an official for God, to validate Moses as an official spokesperson for God, as an official prophet for God. And the same thing. The miracles that Jesus performed, the signs that we see, were to validate his claims as Messiah. We were also told in John 2 that they were to manifest the glory of God through Jesus. A third reason, and you can see this as you look at the types of miracles that were done, the miracles were designed to help us understand that Christ is Lord over everything. In other religions, in man-made religions, there are usually various gods, and each god, lower g in parentheses, each god is only the god of a certain place, or of a certain people, or of certain activities, or a certain season of the year, or on and on it goes. Gods of fire, and gods of procreation, and etc. Jesus performed miracles and they seem to be accounted for, especially, say, in the Gospel of John, to show us Jesus is the God over nature. He turns water into wine. He calms storms. He creates food from nothing to feed four and 5,000 people. Jesus is the ruler over all humans. He can understand our thoughts and discern our intentions as he did so many times when he was walking on the earth. He can heal our diseases, etc., and Jesus is the ruler over both Satan and death. And he shows this. 
There's nothing that Satan's power could do to stop the mission of Christ. And Jesus raised people from the dead. And so part of the purpose of these miraculous supernatural signs that the Holy Spirit empowered Christ to do was to show that there is one God and that that God is Lord over everything in the natural realm, in the earthly realm, in the human realm, in the spiritual realm. But the miracles were also designed, we can see, to help us see our spiritual needs through the physical needs that Christ met with his wonder-working signs. So we see, for example, a person who was blind from birth or a person who had been crippled, lame, paralyzed for 38 years. And the reason the Bible gives us that detail is to help us see these individuals were hopeless. There's nothing they could do on their own to fix their situation. They were just hopeless and helpless. And the only thing that could make them whole was Jesus. These individuals, it said, had followed Jesus for days and they were hungry, but yet there was no food and all the shops had shut down and they were far out from the town anyway. And it said, and Jesus saw them and he had pity and compassion for them. And that's when he fed a multitude of people. And again, our soul's hunger for real nourishment, for real purpose, for real identity. And we can only get that. And so part of what the miracles of Christ were designed to show is that the physical ailments that people had in those days are similar in some ways to our spiritual ailments. Our sinful condition has got us trapped in a less than ideal spiritual body in a less than ideal spiritual condition, and we are hopeless and helpless to remove ourselves from that poor spiritual condition, to be reconnected to a righteous and perfectly holy God, except through the supernatural working of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so part of the miracles were help us to help us see ourselves spiritually and what Christ was doing on earth physically. And then I'll say the fifth reason for the miracles of Christ where they give us a glimpse of what heaven would be like. And so if we were to design a perfect paradise for us as humans, I think the first thing we would say is, well, we don't need anybody to die. So if you really want to make perfection, then we just all need to live forever. But even then, we should get rid of disease. Because if someone's going to have a horribly debilitating disease, maybe they don't want to live forever. So we would want to get rid of death, but then we'd really want to get rid of disease. But you know what? Things like hunger and sadness, we'd want to eliminate those things as well if we were going to create this perfect paradise for ourselves. And while we would like to be excited, while we would like to be thrilled, while we would like to have some adventures that we could go on and some things that we could conquer... We don't really want something that could hurt us badly in this perfect paradise. And I think what Christ was doing with his miracles was saying, look, when I am there and I am in charge and you're in this place with me, hunger will be eliminated and blindness and paralysis and sickness and illness and fever will be eliminated. And the most frightening things about nature, remember there's a miracle Christ is in a boat with his disciples who were fishermen who understood the sea. And this horrible storm comes up and the waves are crashing over the top of the boat. 
and the disciples know that they're going to meet their death and they wake Christ and he controls nature and tells the storm to stop. And the disciples are like, who is this that even nature obeys him? And I think part of what Christ was saying there is, yes, in the final edition, where I come and get you and take you to be with me, there is nothing frightening about nature. There's no tornadic activity or typhoons or tsunamis that can harm you. Now, there may be some giant waves crashing on the beach that you can surf in, but there's not going to be the things in nature that harm you. Jesus showed us that he contained those things. And again, he showed us that he abolished death, that he can conquer death, bring people back to life, himself included, of course. And so I think part of what the miracles were designed to do, validate Christ, glorify and magnify Christ, show that he is the one God that rules over everything, everyone, everywhere, all the time, to help us see our spiritual needs, our spiritual deficit, to see our own spiritual crippling, our own spiritual death, and to see that only he can bring healing, only he can bring help and hope to us in that situation, and then ultimately to give us a bit of a glimpse about what heaven will ultimately be like. Again, as I open with, the signs that Christ performed no doubt directly benefited people in tangible and earthly ways. But the benefits didn't just accrue to the few folks who Christ knew and touched when he walked on earth. They conveyed a lesson that was meant to teach us a great deal more about who Christ is, who we are, where we live, and what's coming than just feeding a person or healing a person. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Andy.